Welcome to the In Your Element Fertility Podcast. I'm Jennifer Edmonds. I'm a yoga teacher, Pilates instructor, meditation and breathwork coach. And for the last 15 years, I've been helping women on their journeys to motherhood and beyond. This is the podcast that blends both science and spirit with everything you need to know as you navigate your fertility journey. If you're looking for a way to support your physical health, your mental health, reduce anxiety and reclaim some joy back into your life to make the process of trying to conceive feel easier, then you've come to the right place. I'll show you how to apply the latest scientific research along with your energy and mindset to provide you with all the tools you need as you're trying to conceive. This is the In Your Element Fertility Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the In Your Element Fertility Podcast. Today's episode is a bit of a different one. I'm speaking with the wonderful Alexandra Glisson. Alexandra is currently on her own fertility and IVF journey. And she's also a woman of faith. And as I've spoken about in previous episodes, I would describe myself as spiritual, but I wouldn't describe myself as religious. So I wanted to speak to someone to get their perspective on how their faith both impacted and supported their journey as they were trying to conceive. So Alexandra speaks about how her community and her faith have been able to support her journey this far. She's also a health coach and an author, and she speaks a little about those as we get into the conversation as well. So without further ado, here is Alexandra. Alexandra, welcome to the podcast. I'm so, so grateful to have you here today. Thank you. Can we start a little bit about learning who you are and what brought you to the work that you kind of do at the moment? And if you're comfortable to share a little bit about your personal journey as well, that would be amazing. So, well, Jen, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm extremely excited to share my journey and I hope it does, you know, touch someone's heart that's listening today. So a bit about me, I've been going through infertility for the last three years. Um, So let's go back to when I was first naturally pregnant before IVF uh, in 2020. It was great until it wasn't. My doctor missed my miscarriage by seven weeks. So I found out at my 20-week ultrasound that I was no longer carrying. And then she scheduled the DNC. I went in for that. Two days later, I was rushed to the ER. I had to do an emergency DNC. I was nearly septic when admitted. So she missed some of the tissue in there. And clearly there was already an infection when she had gone in. Um, But I spent a week in the hospital after that, $100,000 in medical bills. And I, I was on antibiotics because there was an abscess actually growing on the outside of my uterus. And had the antibiotics not shrunk that, I would have been scheduled for a third surgery that week. But due to those surgeries, and in my opinion, the malpractice, uh, my fallopian tubes are completely blocked with scar tissue, which an HSG test confirmed that two years ago now, but in 2021. And that's when we decided to embark on IVF. So my first transfer was in 2022, January. Um, It was successful for about eight weeks, and then I lost the baby. My second frozen egg transfer was last month, which I miscarried for 11 days, almost three days after the transfer. And my third frozen egg transfer is coming up November 20th. So we are getting excited for that. (laughs) Wow, what a journey. I'm so, so sorry to hear about everything that you've been through. My gosh. So you found out you had a missed miscarriage 
miscarriage at 20 weeks, which had stopped growing at 13 weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing your journey so openly. And I think that the more we are able to talk about these things, the easier it becomes for others and as hard as that might be. Thank you. So what brought you to the work that you're doing at the moment? You have an amazing Instagram account and you have a book that you've put out there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So back to the journey, um, the whole mouthful that I just told you guys about my fertility experience. Um, Before my first egg transfer in January of 2022, I signed up for IIN, which is the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And that was just to better health for myself while I'm going through these infertility issues uh, to better the health of my family and my future babies. But while going through that, I just, I got so much more out of this curriculum than just you know, drink more water and eat nutrient-dense whole foods, which is really, really important. But through the coaching, really, I just would share my ideas about wanting to help the IVF community and, you know, writing a book and journal because journaling for me has been such a big outlet. Every morning, it's a one page. It's like a non-negotiable for me just to get the thoughts out of my head. And when you're going through IVF, you're on so many hormones, you need to get those thoughts out because you start to feel like a crazy person. <laughs> you know, so journaling is really important. Um, but through the IN curriculum, I it led me to writing this book. And I used a lot of the stress management techniques that are all holistically, you know, involved into this journal, the end of it. So the beginning is everything I wish I knew before embarking on the journey. Like if I had a big sister who went through it, she would have told me all these tips and tricks. So I wanted to give that. There's also forward, you know, positive affirmations and just quotes from women who have gone through IVF. What would you tell someone that's first embarking on their journey? So that's like the first page of the book, um, just positive notes from other IVF warriors, because it is a community. You know, you can't go through infertility alone. That's probably the worst thing you could do. And for some women that don't have the support of partner, I can't imagine that um, because it's mentally really difficult. So the journal has all the tips and tricks, and then you write out everything that you're thinking in the middle of it. And then at the end, you have all the tools in your toolbox for hard days. What can I do to relieve some of this stress? Um, And my whole thing with the journal is staying in your parasympathetic state, right? Which is your rest and digest. Because like 96% of Americans are in the, the fight or flight sympathetic. And that does not help fertility. So getting back to that parasympathetic state is really important for myself, but also I want to share that with all these women going on this journey and spending all the money and doing all the things, like just trying to help. It is a lot. It's an amazing resource. And I'm not even surprised by that statistic. You know, and Mm -hmm. if you, you think about your day, like how often do you stop and rest and take a moment? It is so rare. And even if you're not going through fertility treatments, it isn't just something that we are taught to do or reminded that it's essential to be doing. So goodness, anything that can help along that in that kind of way, I think is incredible. So thank you. Oh my goodness. For, I know everyone can't see what's on the screen while I'm chatting to Alexander right now, but her most beautiful dog has just joined her and literally put arms around her and given her the biggest hug. I'm going to cry. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Can I I'm going to tell you something about that too, by the way? Please. Holly baby, he wants to go outside. 
after my first miscarriage, my first night transfer miscarriage, I had like a, I, I, just, I had a breakdown one of the days, right? Like everything came out like I was ugly crying. He ran in from the other room and did that, put his paws up on my shoulders and just nudged my face, started licking my tears. And like, I just started laughing, you know, because uh, he just made me so happy in that moment. So also, if you don't have a dog, get a dog. They are so <laughs> therapeutic. I think it's like the best fertility advice ever. Get a dog. I love it. One of the things that I, I love about what you share is your faith and your religion. And I wanted to talk to you about that today because I think that's something we don't speak about openly in the general fertility community. And it's yeah. something that a lot of people have to to kind of grapple with and, you know, balance as they're going through treatment. So how did you feel about assisted conception and fertility treatments before you started? And did your religion kind of influence this in any way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because you don't think about assisted conception until you're forced to think about assisted conception. Yeah, I had this whole plan in my head when I'm 30, I'll stop music, I'll find a husband and I'll start a family get off my birth control. And that's just the plan did not go as expected. But honestly, when the HCG test confirmed my fallopian tubes were blocked and we discussed our issue with a family friend, Dr. Iran of Bio Medical Center in Jacksonville, it was a no-brainer. Like this was the route that we needed to take to start our family. And biblically, it's one of the greatest achievements. Genesis 128, be fruitful and create a number. The decision was really easy for us. We knew we wanted to have our family. And so next steps have to move forward. You know, and our God is a good God. He will provide whatever that does look like down the road. So I just, I truly believe that. Hmm. And do you think that your faith has helped you navigate your treatments and your journey along the way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, a hundred percent. Uh, infertility, it's hard. The IVF process is mentally and physically grueling. You don't know how these massive amounts of hormones that we're pumping into our body will affect our mental state. So for my marriage, our anchored faith has kept us strong. A woman from my church named Suppressa, she's a nurse. She helped me with my PIO shots when my husband's out of town. And listen, ladies, I cannot do the shots. So the women that can give themselves their own PIO shots, like you guys are so strong. I can't do it. And if I didn't know Suppressa from my church, you know, we've only been living in the St. Augustine area for a year and a half, two years, I would have been in trouble. But I leaned on my church and, you know, they provided also, when I went through my miscarriage, Maylene was at my door on behalf of our church, giving me hugs, crying on her shoulder, you know, all of these things that help someone heal. Like, you're not supposed to do it alone. And the church provides that family for you. And in so many other aspects, too, of just being at church and crying at the altar and letting all those emotions out, you know, I, I haven't really felt that anger or resentment that other women in my support groups do because I I know our God is a good God. And I, I really, really lean into that. And I lean on our church and I, I ask for help and I cry when I need to. And if I didn't have my faith through all of this, I don't think I could do it. It's such a big aspect. It's like the whole aspect for me, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need that. I know my heart mm -hmm. needs it. It's so interesting you say this because, you know, so much of 
what you often hear about, you know, people doing mindset work and coaching people through the fertility journey, you know, they go on about this idea of, you know, just having to to know that it will happen for you and to to keep the faith it will happen. But it's so interesting that without an actual faith to come back to, that is really, really hard to do. And for someone who grew up, I'm I'm not of a particular faith. And I found that really hard during my fertility journey. You know, how was I supposed to come back to this knowing and to rely on something I couldn't see? But you're yeah. right. I think that having that baseline and that community to go back to can make such a big difference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so much bigger than just us. And I did want to bring up too, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Blue Zones. Have you heard about? Okay. Yeah. So in the blue zones, um, it's all the sanitarians in the world, right? So all but five of the 263, which the sanitarians are all 100 years older, belong to a faith-based community. Research shows attending even just four times a month will add four to 14 years of life expectancy. So having that community is so great for your fertility journey, but also just so great for you. And everything else that it will bring and everybody's journey is so different, but it unlocks things that you can't explain until you're there feeling them. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. So I gather you are surrounded by, you know, family and friends and people within the same faith and church group. Have you found that they have opinions about fertility treatments or and any kind of hesitancy and how have you navigated that no negativity just all prayers just all support especially you know through the hard times but they'll check in even when it's not the hard times you know what's happening when's the next transfer like, we're excited for you how can, how can we pray for you it's all positive so i do want to say like if if somebody has faced negative comments if it's the church as a whole, might be time to find a new church. Because I promise you, not every church is like that. Like God is love. So you should be supported through this very sensitive time in your journey. And because you put yourself out there so publicly on social media, do you get comments from other people in the public that have mm-hmm. want to have their say? I haven't had any negative comments yet, which... I'm also surprised with because I have seen pages bashing IVF. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I guess you always have extreme extremists on every level, right? So luckily I haven't faced it yet, but I'm I'm sure I will eventually. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, I think we all do eventually. Can we go a little bit deeper into, you know, your thoughts around things like embryo donation, egg donation, sperm donation? And then things like, well, what do I do with my embryos if I've had my family and I still have embryos in the freezer? What are your views around this? And I know it might be quite different to someone who who isn't religious. So yeah, just let me know. What are your what are your thoughts? So the idea of sperm donation, egg donation, that's not something that I am personally walking through right now but I do view it as almost like adoption, right? Because you're adopting that embryo or that egg or that sperm to create your child and family, but we're all equals in the eyes of God and he's called us worthy. So in adoption, every child deserves to, and is worthy of being part of a family. And everybody is, 
everybody, B-O-D-Y, everybody is so different, right? So there's some 30-year-old women that I know that have the egg reserve of a 50-year-old woman and they can't produce eggs and they're 30. So if an egg donation is their only chance at having a family, then that's a beautiful thing. You know, and if you pray on it and something doesn't feel right, well, then listen to that. Talk to God. Maybe adoption is the option. Like there's so many different routes. So who am I to say what one or one other family should or shouldn't do? I think you have to really look inside yourself. You have to have those hard conversations with your partner and the man above and do what's right for you and your family. Hmm. And what if you were in the position in a few years' time where you had completed your family, but you still had embryos in the freezer? What are your feelings around what you would do with those? So, and this is a question, you know, that was asked to us when we first started this journey. And I'm prepared to honestly transfer every single embryo that we've created, (laughs) you know, because they're, they're alive and well. And if we were to stop and we had an embryo left, I mean, there's no way that I could just discard it. Just there's no way. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. chilling. He's there. He's created. We did that. (laughs) So uh, that's not an option for me. You know, uh, I think the same. I was never in that position to have enough embryos to leave in the freezer, but I'm the same. I don't think I could ever have discarded that embryo. I don't know how I could feel about donating to another family. I don't know. Part of me thinks I would have just paid storage fees for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, uh, I, d- I don't know what the answer is. And it's so uniquely yeah. personal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we have, uh, we started with seven. Hmm. So five boys, two girls, and we've lost two already. So we have three boys, two girls, which is at the rate that we're going on a normal IVF success rate, right? It takes about two thirds of patient. It takes at least six transfers for one viable pregnancy. Hmm. So that's also something to consider. Like, when you get asked that question at your first meeting, before you even know anything about IVF, you barely, you're a newbie. It's a very shocking question. But in reality, like a lot of people don't have embryos left over. And normally you have to do a few transfer, a few egg retrievals to even get the family that you want. That's just the reality of it. The, the statistics right now with current science. <laughs> so, yeah. but if you are led to that decision, I mean, that's something that you'll have, yeah, a decision you'll have to make. Mm. Yeah. It is a lot of information thrown at you when you are a newbie and all of these things. I'm interested to to know how you feel about gender selection. Is that something that goes against your faith? Mm, no, it was a no-brainer for us. And honestly, the genetic testing, it will tell you if there's anything wrong with the embryos. So you don't want to transfer an embryo, go through the mental state of it, the hormones, the money, just to miscarry. So we had eight and they had to toss one because it, it wouldn't have led in a, to a, a full-term pregnancy. It would have been a miscarriage. So that was, you know, one transfer that less that we have to worry about it ending in miscarriage. Although two of mine have already ended. Yeah. But that's just part, of, even if you were to get pregnant naturally, I have, I know a woman who had three miscarriages before she had her baby boy and she had two previous little girls that are now seven and eight and her newborn baby but she had three miscarriages in between just Mm -hmm. 
as as soon as you hit that 30 year mark, your chances of miscarriage go up and things don't work as well as they did when you were in your early 20s. So, um, yeah, it's just a numbers game. It is. Yeah. Really landing the jackpot and holding your baby. (laughs) In so, so many ways, isn't it? My goodness. Yeah. Um, Alexandra, what kind of advice would you give to others in this situation? So if they are obviously struggling with the thought of going through these treatments and navigating their faith at the same time, what would you say? Um, I would say dive into your faith head first. Get the answers that you need to feel comfortable to go through the IVF process and, and truly do that. Seek answers find some peace, know that there will be a lot of uncertainties and have that strong rock and foundation for when you do get those uncertainties. And then go forward because you can't get your dream family by not doing anything. You've got to put in the work. So get ready to dive in financially, mentally, physically, eat those nutrient-dense whole foods detox your home from harsh chemicals. I do want to say when you get, when you do your egg transfer, I got a paper that said, don't put any lotions on or anything that contains fragrance, detox your home of fragrance. I could kill the embryo when they do the, the egg transfer, like these little things that we should know about. And fragrance can be in candles, beauty products, cleaning supplies, take walks, get the blood flow going, tap into your parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest, cut out the ultra processed foods and seed oils immediately. Inflammation in the body, try to minimize that while you're going through this process. So you get that extra sticky embryo starts with the egg and yeah, get connected with your faith-based community. God is good. He will provide. And even if that isn't what it, what we think it should look like, he will provide. So have faith in that. Thank you. Where can people go to learn more about you? If they want to connect with you, if they want to have a look at grabbing a copy of your book, what's the best place to find you? So we are at moderndayholistic.com or you can connect on Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube uh, at Modern Day Holistic. And then we also have a private Facebook group called IVF Warriors. Amazing. Thank you. And I will list all of those links in the show notes as well. Alexandra, thank you so much for being here and sharing so openly about your journey and what you've been through. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for having this podcast and helping other women navigate the difficulties and probably the most difficult thing that they will ever have to do in their life. So I appreciate you and your outlet to support other women. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review so I can keep all this information coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, check the links below in the show notes to join me for more daily tips to support your fertility journey. And don't forget to visit my website to learn more about how the beautiful practices of yoga, meditation, and breathwork can support you as you're trying to conceive. Until next time, sending you all my love.